Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the View from the Nest podcast. Um, no special guest this week. So it's just me, Dark Forest Capital, and I'm joined by my friend and fellow contributor at the Index Co-op, AG. How are you doing this week, AG? Uh, doing better than last week. You know, it's uh, definitely nice to sort of not have to do an intro and uh, being asked how I'm doing for, for, for change. So so you know, makes me feel rather good. Good, I'm glad. I know that you were looking forward to that, and I'm glad that I can take that burden of doing the intro off of you as well, just to make your your week complete. <laughs> Thanks for that. So another active week at the coop, and I know the newsletter perhaps doesn't cover everything that's going on, but let's let's run through it, and uh, if we've got some spare time, we can talk about a few other things uh, that are happening under under the hood or in the nest, so to speak. What's on the newsletter this week, Paul? Yeah, the first item on the list this week was talking about organizational structure and how we are forming uh, groups and um, in particular working groups uh, within the index co-op. So I was talking about how um, we have been, like we've seen people jump into our calls and, and our meetings before and Afterwards, they always say how well organized we are. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that from the inside, the index co-op um, still feels pretty chaotic. But I think that we do do a pretty good job of structuring ourselves, getting work done, um, removing blockers where we can. Obviously, there's been a few bumps in the road, but I think as a community, uh, we've come together really well to like overcome that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, this week I was just linking people to the posts that have gone out in the forum. Um, we've had Greg pop in with North Star metrics and we've laid out these like high level targets to aim for. I think what I liked about our North Stars was that you can summarize them really easily. So we've got written down unique holders and unit supply. But for me, that's summarized simply as um, more holders holding more. So that's a really easy way to think about like, how we're viewing our direction going forward. Another thing that we looked at beyond the working groups was um, offering a fee menu for methodologists, which I know is something you've been working on quite diligently. Perhaps you'd like to tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so that, that sort of came out of us realizing that every time we have a conversation with a methodologist about a, a potential product, we don't really have a framework for approaching it, right? And it just evolves into just a near endless conversation. And, and so the goal was really to a structure framework and outline how we think about the fee split right between the methodologist and the coop. And what we did essentially was first think about like what is the role of a methodologist, right? Like what are their the base requirements um, for a methodologist? And if I were to sum it up, it, it's sort of do the due diligence on your product, make sure it's different from what the coop already has and, and would add value to, to our product lineup, and then just have a good methodology, right? Like, and, and commit to rebalancing it and, and keeping up with it and you know, being in Discord and so on. So that was, that was sort of the base level requirements. And then we, we thought about like, what are the potential value adds that a methodologist can bring to the table? And some of the things we, we thought about there were helping with the initial liquidity uh, with seeding the pool 
when when the product first launches, right? It's kind of a capital investment. It would help if a methodologist contributes or takes it on entirely. The the second add-on was the liquidity mining incentives. Obviously, um, we expect that perhaps most of our products will have to go through some sort of liquidity mining process, and it's a massive financial burden on on the co-op and and probably on most protocols in in DeFi. Um, and it would be obviously very valuable to the coop if the methodologist shared some of the burden. And then the last thing we thought about was kind of the broader BD sales, marketing integrations, like that that sort of overarching support work to really push the product, right? And, and then we came up with quantitative scores that you can assign to each category that in the end kind of tells you what the fee split should be. And the, the main purpose of, of this document is to use it as a framework so that we sort of have an idea of how we look at it and the methodologists can also have a look at it and understand the way we think about it, right? And, and so when both parties are kind of well-educated and, and understand the, the context, it not only makes the conversation easier, but it actually brings it up um, in the process, right? So instead of having it between DG1 and DG2, for example, uh, we can have this conversation just after DG1 because both parties have had the framework to think about it. Cool. That sounds really useful and uh, also sounds like it probably goes hand in hand with the um, liquidity mining framework as well that I know is being worked on now. So if we have the clarity up front and say, you know, how much are you looking to incentivize? And then from our end of things, we, we know like we have these sort of rough rules of thumb that we can say, if, if we want to target a pool of this size, then here's our APY and work backward from there to say how much index we want to provide to incentivize that. Then if we've got clarity around how we're splitting those incentives with uh, any methodologists, then it, it just makes that whole process much smoother. So yeah, I'm really excited to see this sort of come to fruition and, and be solidified so that we um, we can lay this out when methodologists approach us in the future. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think, you know, if we talk about the liquidity mining framework and, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on it again when it's it's final, but the, the purpose of, of the framework is to really give us a step-by-step on how to think about liquidity, like the size of the pools that we need to accommodate certain certain trades with minimal slippage, like what's the APY that's required for, for this type of pool, given, given like correlations and, and the potential divergence loss in the pool. And, and like it basically provides a simple step-by-step framework to follow to arrive at all of these numbers, at all of these estimates. And that's something that together with the fee menu, we can share with the methodologist and they can actually work through all of this and they can understand like, okay, for me to launch this product, we'll need to target this pool size and we'll need to provide this many incentives and and all of that, right? And, and it not only gives like all parties a framework, but it also brings these conversations forward, right? Um, like with liquidity mining, for example, we've, we've been a bit reactive in how we approach it. And 
instead, now we'd be having all of these conversations uh, between DG1 and DG2. And for those who don't know, DG1 and DG2 are basically decision gate votes. Like the first vote is a community sentiment check uh, on a new product launch, and DG2 is uh, kind of the, the, final, the final vote before we launch a new product. Yeah, thanks for the definition on that and, um, and for the detail on you know, what you guys are working on. It's, it is really important. And it brings us quite nicely on to the DG1 vote for Token Terminal, actually. It went through this week, 90% in favour. Not the largest turnout that we've ever seen for a product onboard, onboarding vote, but still it was uh, enough to pass. It's, it's a good signal in favour of the Token Terminal in Index. And it's been interesting in the Discord and on the forum, plenty of discussion around this product in particular, because it's so similar to something that we already have out there in, in the DPI. So DPI being our flagship product and being full of DeFi tokens. And Token Terminal has a, a fair bit of overlap there in terms of the pro projects that are included. But as we've seen from the discussions, there are still a number of differentiators uh, between the two products, namely, of course, the methodology, um, DPI being market cap weighted. It, it buys the projects as they go up in market cap. Whereas with a price to sales uh, methodology, you know, token terminal index would be more reactive to um, changes in both uh, market cap and like the, the sales. So you, you could get you could foresee like an area where if, if the sales remain the same for a certain project, but its market cap increases massively, then token terminal would be selling that project, whereas, or that token, whereas DPI would be buying it. So that I, I think there's quite a bit of differentiation there. Obviously there are um, other people who see it a little bit differently. And we kind of discussed like the threats to DPI as a flagship in the space, as well as within the index carp as a whole. And it's whether or not, we can still win as an index provider uh, if we lose focus just on like making sure that DPI is the absolute winner in the space. So yeah, I'd be interested to hear your your thoughts on that, AG. Yeah, I think it's it's important to frame the debate from the perspective of the co-op and not from the perspective of DPI, because I think we benefit with more assets under management. Right. And to, to the co-op itself, it, it doesn't quite matter as much where those assets are coming from. And, and I think it's important that we do want to preserve DPI as the flagship product and the largest and most liquid product uh, for, for DeFi. But at the same time, there are a couple of points here that I think support launching uh, the token terminal index. And one of them is simply uh, competitive, where there are very few products right now, index products right now, that offer similar type of exposure as DPI, right? Like DeFi 5, I think is just, just five projects. Our pool and a couple of their indices have, um, their flagship I think has uh, Nexus and CVP in them. Uh, and, and there are other indices that just don't provide the same level of broad diversified exposure across uh, blue chip DeFi tokens. But token terminal will, right? So 
if Tokyo Terminal were to take their index elsewhere and launch it elsewhere, it would be the sort of the first had to have competitor for DPI. Uh, so I think just from that perspective, it actually is, uh, is rather important that we launch it in-house. And, and then I think, yeah, I think there, there are other reasons that we have sort of talked through in, in the forums. I think that generally speaking, the cannibalization um, of DPI is, is a threat, but it's, it's, it's a rather low, low, rather low threat that the risk is not that significant. Um, and, and in my mind, the sort of the benefits outweigh the risks for that one. But yeah, like, uh, like you said, we, we went through DG1, turnout uh, was, um, was not, not spectacular, but we hope that kind of as we progress to uh, decision gate two, we'll be able to, to push this product out. Uh, but also like there are a lot of products in, in the pipeline and I guess the order of them uh, might mean that it, it, it might take us a little bit of time to, to launch uh, the, the token terminal index. So that's sort of, that's uh, my take on it. Um, I know you're keen to talk about treasury management, the, the topic uh, dear to your heart and you've dedicated a whole section um, to it in your newsletter. So why don't you uh, tell us what's going on in the, in the treasury land? Yeah, that's one of the benefits of uh, running the newsletter is I get to decide what goes in there. So <laughs> I try not to make it boring for people. Obviously, I've included a meme in there this week, which I'm not going to visually describe to people. Um, you have to go and read the newsletter if you want to see it, because obviously it's really funny. Yeah, treasury management. So not always the most fun or exciting topic, but imagine a project like Index Co-op where you've got a load of financial nerds who have all come together to talk about their portfolio allocations. What do you think is going to be the most exciting discussion point for them? It's going to be how do we manage our treasury? So we've seen a load of these nerds come out of the woodwork, including me and yourself, AG. Uh, we've got some others like Fire, uh, Mr. Medilla, Lavi, plenty of people have stuck their nose into what we're up to and, and we've banded together as a group and trying to figure it all out. And it, and it has been fun. Like when you've got sort of between 16 and $25 million to play with um, as a pseudonymous like picture on the internet, then it, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's exciting. It is fun. Uh, I think we can make it fun, but at the same time, I think we can, we can be professional and serious about it. You know, we've got enough brains between us. Um, to try and figure something out that, that makes the index co-op sustainable for the long term. And that's kind of what we set out with our post on treasury goals. So the high level summary of that was that we want to grow, sustain and preserve the assets within our treasury. And uh, AG, I think you wanted to jump in at this point. I just wanted to ask you to take us through those particular uh, goals, but I think that some of them are, are pretty self-explanatory. I think maybe a take that, or, or something we don't hear often during the during the bull market, and, and something that I believe in is managing your treasury, like appropriately managing your treasury, is going to make a large difference in making it and not making it during the bear market. Like, I think it's it's going to be one of kind of the determining factors of which projects continue to build and continue to develop and which projects 
uh, fall away because kind of the DeFi tokens or NFT tokens or, or, or what whatnot, they have the potential to, to drop by uh, a rather significant clip. And if our entire treasury is denominated in our own token, that actually puts quite a lot of risk onto our books and, and uh, pressures our ability to to continue building during the bear market. So I'm, I'll agree with you on this uh, kind of, maybe it's not as exciting as you described it, but it is definitely very important to uh, to index and a whole bunch of other projects in the space. Yeah, I mean, I think next week, we're gonna have a special guest from within the co-op to also talk about treasury management in more detail. So if you're not happy with just me talking about it, wait until there's two of us, because <laughs> then you're going to have a really good time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think probably the most interesting thing for me on this is that through like discussing with other projects and um, other like community members elsewhere, outside of the index co-op, and also trying to look at what other teams are doing, we're actually pretty far ahead in even just talking and thinking about this in the first place. Now, I know that that doesn't help us in and of itself. Like if we have a downturn for the next six to 12 months, that's not gonna, you know, having already thought about it doesn't help us. And that's why it's really key to like lay out these goals now. We're gonna do a bit of a, a data analysis around like how do we achieve those goals and what, what does the detail look like? And then start kicking off a number of initiatives to get us there and to get us to that level where, you know, we're putting some towards productive uses. We're putting some in stables to protect us. We're using ETH in the smart treasury balancer pool to, to be productive and, and to get our like working account moving. So yeah, seeing all of that stuff come together is, is exciting. And I think we're a bit ahead of the game here. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's been interesting to see when you look around and all the other projects are just throwing tokens at people and stuff without really taking much account of it. Um, to, to ha sort of take that step back and as a community say, right, we've got all of this potential value. What, what do we do with it? What is the sensible approach here? So yeah, it's, it's really good that we're, we're having that, those conversations. Yeah, I, I can't wait till there's two of you talking about it. I, I'm just gonna try to <laughs> take, take a back seat and uh, occasionally just point out how nerdy you guys are. I think that's that's gonna be that's going to be my job for for the next podcast. But you know, in the meantime, let's talk about meta governance. We've talked about meta governance for a while now, and I think it's getting a second wind. And, and you decided to feature it in your newsletter. What uh, what's that about? Yeah, I know this is uh, this is right up your street, meta governance. Another exciting topic. Um, I was trying to highlight this week that there's a bit of an exciting market dynamic that not many people seem to have picked up on. And that is, if you take our, um, not the, I think not the most recent comp proposal, but the one before that, so it's comp four, comp 39, uh, there was a situation where <clears throat> you could have picked up um, enough index to swing the vote within the index co-op to control the amount of comp that we hold within DPI. And it would have cost you six times more to just buy that amount of comp on the market. So you've got governance power that is far outsized compared to the cost of actually owning those tokens yourself. 
if you buy and hold the index token. So that screams to me that index is, is underpriced. And if you think about it, that's just compound as well. We also have Aave, uh, Uni, and there's now a proposal to perform snapshot governance. So that opens up the likes of uh, Sushi, Mstable, you know, uh, another five or six projects potentially. So to me, that's that's super interesting. I don't think anybody's really picked up on it. And um, yeah, maybe we need to do a bit more shouting about meta governance and how important it is and, and will be going forward. That sounds like uh, governance arbitrage. Did you like that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it that one is actually interesting. Yeah, that one is you know proper sort of opportunity for financial and market gigs. That 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 one was nice. Really appreciated that. <laughs> cool. Okay. Right. I can tell that you're getting bored with all of this uh, treasury and meta governance talk. Should we move on to the metaverse instead? How about that metaverse index? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk about metaverse. Um, what? Oh, where do you want to start? There is the. There's so much going on in the background. Uh, we we really trying to get it to market as soon as possible. I think the, I mean, the space been, has been heating up for, for months now. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it just kind of feels like, you know, every day uh, we wait sort of an opportunity just uh, goes, goes by a little bit, you know? Um, and I know that's not true. Like there's, there's plenty of time to, to launch this, uh, but I'm certainly eager to, to get it out in the wild. Yeah, I think I have to admit here that from proposing it in October and then having you come along with a prod and prod me and, and get it going again in January, like I feel like I've missed sort of 90% of what's been happening in, in that space. It's really, really exploded. And uh, I've been sort of keeping up with it in the background. Obviously, DeFi has been the main focus. Um, given that we're in such a great bull market at the moment, but I'm trying to now get back into it. And especially with, you know, looking to launch MVI very shortly and, you know, me and you are going to have to become pretty much experts on every single one of these uh, underlying projects and, and tokens to really understand it and, and do it justice. So it's a case of like catching up. I feel a little bit behind the curve, but even to, just today I was watching the um, live uh, podcast with Bankless with Andrew Steinwald and um, just before we hopped on to record the podcast and he was he was just astounded by like how quickly it's exploded as well so I think yeah it's going to be a case of you know me you and obviously Mason from Masari um, getting our heads together like time and time again each week just making sure we're not missing anything and, and keeping up with what is a, an ever-expanding and exciting space. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's moving at such speed. And like you said, you, you missed uh, 90% of things that happen in the place and you, you, you probably missed uh, NX gains um, on, on average across these projects. Uh, the, I think the, the price explosion over the last uh, maybe 30 days or so, or, or even 14 days, um, has been absolutely mind-blowing. You know, why don't, why don't uh, we talk a little bit about what the metaverse index actually is and, and kind of how, how we think about it, right? Because people hear metaverse and they automatically think sort of 
virtual worlds, right? And and there are there are a few virtual virtual worlds out there, but some of them don't have a token. So, you know, they they, they might be sort of confused about what the uh, the token is actually gonna hold, right? They might think it's maybe it's an NFT index or or whatnot. You want to give a, a a quick summary of what we're trying to do with the metaverse index? Yeah, I'd love to. So originally proposed an idea for it back in October. Um, there was somebody else at the time, actually, when Index got launched, who was talking specifically about an NFT index. But for me, the whole point of uh, proposing it as the metaverse index instead was like NFTs are one part of it. And having that uh, ownership within like a virtual world and, and then being able to possibly start to port your in-game items to other games or elsewhere in like the world of blockchain, whatever it may be. Like there's that, there's the fact that um, business was starting to be conducted more virtually. Uh, I, I think I put in the post actually, I, I'd just been at the time to a conference held in Decentraland with um, like Cooper Turley and a few others uh, from within the space. And it was just fantastic. I, I was, I was kind of blown away with it and seeing all of that start to happen. You've got gaming, you've got in-game land, you've got the NFTs that can be anything that you want. You've got the technology to move them around. You've got the, like the ownership economy where creators can start to interact directly with their fans. It just felt like such a, such a much larger play and a much larger trend. And so designing an index around capturing that was more important than just going with like the hype at the time, which was meme and, and Avagachi and, you know, a few other NFT plays. So yeah, for me, it's, it's more about that high level. How do we capture the fact that people are moving their life online? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, it's, it's just, it's such a massive area that we can't even uh, estimate, right? Like, I think if you think about, a lot of these activities and the impact that, for example, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality is going to have on them. And we are nowhere close in terms of AR and VR adoption. Um, just like, just imagining the, the, the potential of it. And, you know, you and I were sort of joking around and being like, why don't we host like a launch party for this index in, in the metaverse? Or, or why don't we have like a, an office in the metaverse for people to come and learn about kind of the index and different projects and, and what we're doing. And like, there are, there are so many possibilities and yeah, sure. It sounds like, you know, fun and, and games, but it, it will be more and more applied to real life businesses and real life uh, situations. And that's, that's where the massive growth is going to come from. And, and that's why it's kind of so important for us to design this product in a way that uh, captures that uh, overarching trend towards virtual. Yeah, so I've I've seen a couple of really good takes um, recently, and I, they were obviously put a lot more eloquent eloquently than I can put them. But I'll try and combine the two of them. And basically, if we think about how the stock market has worked for decades now, and and how since the rise of like Buffett and Bogle and value and growth and and all of this stuff, like if you think about the way that stocks are traditionally valued price to earnings price to sales discounted cash flow whatever it may be whatever you want to talk about they're all just technically memes if you think about holding a dividend 
stock based on like eventually it, it will re recoup through dividends like and you'll get your money back effectively then you take you abstract that away and, and you have stocks where people are paying more than the next person in line because they think somebody else will come along later and pay more and the stock has no dividend like they're paying an amount of money for something that may or may not give them value back in the future because they think that the growth is going to get somebody else to believe in that narrative and come in and, and buy it right so what we've seen with stuff like gamestop is that with younger people younger generations now connected through the internet you know a like very um or a lot more financially and, and comms literate they can sort of group together share data share narratives understand and much faster some cases even through something as silly as a meme like people's understanding is getting so much quicker and when those groups can band together they can tell the world what has value they can define the narrative so when we've got a space like the metaverse where you know if i want to buy a beeple and i'm willing to pay 20 eth for it or even 69 million dollars whatever it may be like that's not necessarily a bubble if that's what somebody is willing to pay for it then let them because they're creating the narrative around it as we speak and as the metaverse begins to grow and people spend more time online like this stuff is only going to get more and more value added to it or, or it's only going to be become more valuable to people because you can display art within like an online game or, or you can level up a character somewhere and maybe you get a special item for doing so and then you can mint that item elsewhere and use it in a completely different game like all of this stuff although yeah in terms of the price absolute it might drop and it probably will drop but that's not the point the point is like this whole narrative is being created out of nowhere and we're deciding as a as a different generation what has value um so i've gone off on one a little bit there but to me it's just really exciting to sort of move away from being told by the people in charge what has value and why to be to just saying mm, no I, i'm choosing to transact here i'm choosing to spend time in this virtual environment and i want to purchase this through like some kind of um decentralized economy and that is what gives these items and these projects and these tokens and these entire economies the value yeah no i absolutely agree with that right it's just the the concept of monetary value is is an abstraction it, it's just it's sort of a common narrative it's in our imagination and the younger generation does not believe in the same things that older generation believes in and i think with uh, technology now we are actually able to communicate what we believe in right and we we can communicate what actually has value and and represent it in in the digital world um i think it's it's a huge narrative and uh it's yeah, uh, fascinating to me that you said uh, price to sales and, and price to earnings are, are memes. Uh, basically, you know, if you want to oversimplify things a little bit, you can just say that everything is a meme, right? And and in in that sense, everything has value and nothing has value at the same time, right? So it's it's just it's really just a story that that we tell. Um, yeah, that's that's sort of my take on it. I'm I'm sure we're gonna keep talking about about these concepts in in the context of the metaverse and, and the metaverse index and i hope that you know next time we talk about it it'll be 
after we, we pass DG2 and, and are kind of set and ready for launch. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. And to see a product that we're deeply involved with, like at the center of all of this, it is just going to be mind-blowing. Um, I can't believe that I basically walked in off the street six months ago and now I'm I'm considering like being part of something like the Metaverse Index. So yeah, it's going to be fantastic um, and I can't wait. So keep your ears peeled for more releases um, around MVI, DG2, Decision Gate 2 voting, hopefully going live later this week. So if that's something you're interested in and you're an index holder, make sure you go out and vote. And otherwise, uh, thanks very much for being with us today, AG, and we'll catch you next week to talk more about treasury management. Thanks, everyone.